At the end of the day, what my favorite part of Backlash was, was the return of Carlito. Uh, I was just thinking about him the other day. I was randomly thinking about his return at the Royal Rumble a couple years ago now. And the next night where he uh, teamed with Jeff Hardy on Raw. And at the time, I was just really hoping that that was a, a WWE return for him. And then we haven't seen Carlito in a WWE setting since then. And the guy's in ridiculously good shape. So it was just... I, you know, I've been kind of missing him, and uh, it never clicked with me that WWE, or that Backlash was going to be in Puerto Rico, where Carlito's from, where, you know, his dad helped put Matt Wrestling on the map down there, Carlos Colon. So why not have Carlito return at Backlash in a LWO setting? The only kicker for me now is, though, Similar to Savio Vega, I'm pretty sure that was a one-off appearance. So if WWE can surprise me, and I'm saying this to you, and I'm standing in incorrect, uh, that would be amazing. Like, I'd be all for seeing him on SmackDown this Friday, where you know the LWO is now calling home. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Um, but that's my thoughts there. It's time. Are you ready? Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, here for kind of another Pro Wrestling Reflections episode. Uh, I had one a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, it seemed to seemed to go well, seemed to flow well, and uh, kind of wanted to do the same again today. But one one topic that I planned on mentioning when we uh, when I did that Wrestling Talk episode a couple weeks ago that I, I failed to remember until afterwards is what I wanted to talk about at this time, starting off, and that is the potential AEW return of one CM Punk. So AEW, apparently in the middle of June, coming up, has a... They're planning a new Saturday show. And this new episode, I believe it's supposed to be called AEW Collision, is the rumored title. And it's supposed to be taking place at the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. And it's supposed to feature, that's what the internet's saying, featuring the return of CM Punk. And here's my thoughts on it. Uh, I could go a number of different ways with this. And ultimately, I'm going to go ahead and share those. Number one, AEW having a new Saturday show in the first place. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this, so... Truth be told, uh, where I've, I love pro wrestling and nothing's changing with that, uh, I'm going to support it as much as I can. I'm going to watch it as much as I can. But I don't have a lot of free time anymore uh, between working my jobs and uh, doing this podcast and everything else. And that's not a complaint. It's just reality is I don't have a lot of free time. So sometimes watching the weekly shows in general can kind of take a back burner to life. And when I go to get caught up, you know, a couple months ago, it was always a go-to that, you know, the number one show I'd watch to catch up on was Raw, with WrestleMania season being there, and that was really important to me, and sometimes SmackDown, I don't get to watch SmackDown as often as I get to watch Raw, 
And so, where AEW's always been good, and there's definitely some things that intrigue me that I'll still see on social media from time to time, that I'm like, oh man, I should go and watch that. It just kind of took the back burner for me. Because, uh, you know, again, it was WrestleMania season. And the trouble is, you put things on the back burner too long, essentially, they, a lot of times, they'll just fall off. And so, I haven't been able to watch and keep up with AEW as much as I'd like to lately. And I want to get better on that, but we'll... uh We'll see how that goes. But I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, okay, AEW, their main shows, of course, Dynamite's their main show, and then they have Rampage. So I was kind of under the impression, man, they have a lot of programming, especially if they take on this Collision show. And then I realized, well, what's the difference between that and WWE? And it's an honest question, because look at WWE, is they, they have Raw, they have SmackDown, they have NXT... Um, then they have, like, the NXT one-off show on, like, Peacock that I've never watched. I don't even remember what it's called. And, and then, you know, they have main event. But they have three brands, all with all of which with different rosters. So uh, for AEW to be doing a new show and then kind of splitting up their roster, I suppose, makes sense. Um... Now, the way they're going about it is what I'm kind of, I understand. And I understand from a from a booking standpoint in a logical sense. And I'll get to that here in a moment, too. But AEW notoriously has a huge roster. And that's what bothers me anytime somebody gets released from WWE is the initial thought is, oh, man, I can't wait to see this person in AEW. And I think Tony Khan's kind of had that same mind process that thought same thought process as well but bring so-and-so in on an already very stacked roster with a lot of big names you can have good intentions but you're just adding to your already overflowed product so how many of those names could really stick out you know i think the case in point was everyone was excited when Miro signed with AEW. Like, oh, AEW's going to use him a lot better, and WWE used Rusev, and then Trouble is the same person, and so when he started getting booked less and less, um, and I'm sure there was other things too, he got frustrated, and we haven't seen Miro in a very long time, gosh, probably around a year at this point, and uh, who knows if and when we'll see him again. Um but that's the thing, that's the trouble with AEW, is they sign so many names, and the intention is, like, yes, yeah, <clears throat> these people will have a a contract, they'll have a new home or where they can be hold, held on to, but you do that with everybody, then you, you have no other choice but so many different very talented stars that just kind of take the back burner. Um, in this regard, that's one of the things I love about Impact Wrestling is... They still keep their roster small enough and rotating enough because, you know, a lot of talent just signs short-term contracts when they do bring in some of those stars, which, honestly, of course, a lot of those stars don't think of at the time because you you look at the two juggernauts, and that's WWE and AEW, and Impact kind of takes a back burner to those, but then that's allowing them to be featured more when they if, the, if and when they do go to Impact. You know, you see Dirty Dango... Heck, even Santino Morella isn't Impact anymore. Now Trinity, formerly known as Naomi. So I feel like Impact would be a good good company to go to in those situations. But they're not going to take absolutely everybody. They're going to still take enough that's going to better their brand, their product. 
But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I thought, okay, is it too much? And I ultimately, for AEW, and ultimately I still feel, yes, it is. And then, you know, I was hanging out with my uh, my friend Chris Franks the other day, and he brought up to me, he goes, I don't think they do Dark Elevation anymore. Now, I'll be one to, I'll be honest, I very rarely do I watch Dark or Dark Elevation in the first place. I know, like, if, you know, my friend Cheeseburger is, is on one of those shows, I'll make it a point to uh, look up that, that week's episode and try to get there. And a lot of times I just fall off, because, again, life gets in the way. But I don't get to watch Dark and Dark Elevation as much as I want to anymore. So when he told me, I don't think they do Dark Elevation anymore, it didn't really surprise me. But, you know, where this is a wrestling talk podcast, I'm not going to sit here and stand here and tell you what it is with Dark and Dark Elevation, because I don't honestly know for sure. I just want to tell you the truth and what I do know, and, of course, my reflections along the way. So, okay, that helps. But here's the other big thing about AEW. Ring of Honor. And they have their weekly shows, too, and their occasional pay-per-views. And I get that. Ultimately, I'm not as bothered by that. Because, you know, if it wasn't for Ring of Honor... Well, number one, I don't think AEW would have started. It really started from... Yes, there's Tony Khan. Uh, but, like, a lot of the big-name stars, with the exception of Jericho, were in Ring of Honor. All the elite, that's how they got their start. SCU. So, like, the foundation of where AEW was built... And I'm not talking about the four pillars of AEW in this case, but the the true foundation um, came from Ring of Honor. And uh, so the fact that Tony Khan is still keeping Ring of Honor around and kind of trying to keep it as its own entity, though it flows into AEW programming quite often, ultimately I have no complaints on that. So for the Ring of Honor faithful, I'm I'm all for it. Um... But, you know, and so they, they do their own thing. They have their own championships, but they still get defended from time to time on AEW programming, and it still can be a little too much at times. Again, no complaints, just reality. And so for them to do another brand, again, I'm like, man, AEW already has a lot. But then I, th- again, thought about it, and, you know, WWE has Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and, you know, especially with this draft, which I'll get to here in a bit, um, they have, you know, their own entities and their own brands, and and stars are supposed to stick to those brands, so their own products. So, and, uh, yeah, I guess I mentioned their own entities, and that's true. And so, what's the difference between that and AEW doing the same thing? Um, and it has the trouble, you know, in the 90s, with the Monday Night War... I was okay with that because ultimately my parents only allowed me to watch Nitro. I could only watch WCW. They didn't let me watch WWF at all. So it was easy to support one company over the other. Now, I didn't disparage WWF. I didn't say bad things about them. But I only stuck to watching WCW because that's what I was allowed to do. There would be occasions where I'd sneak over and, uh, you know, if I was alone or whatever else and watch the the other show a little bit but ultimately I enjoyed what I watched on WCW so it wasn't wasn't too difficult for me um but nowadays I'm just you know and even then as a kid it was different because I only I had limited access and parental control but now as an adult 
I'm not I'm not telling myself I can only watch one company or the other. I'd like to watch more Impact Wrestling, but again, that's just there's there is a lot of wrestling out there, and I love having the options. The only unfortunate thing is Impact a lot of times takes a back burner for me, but I still keep up with their pay per views. And shout out to Ryan Johnson, the uh, producer of when you know Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk is on Facebook Live. Uh, he's always done a good job with me, and uh, I I really appreciate him because through him I'm able to at least keep watching all the Impact pay-per-views, and they always put on good shows. They're always fun. You know, people talk about how Impact's not the same as TNA used to be, and maybe it's not. AJ Styles isn't there, Abyss isn't there, Sting isn't there, Jeff Jarrett's not there, so on and so forth, but that doesn't matter. It's still really good, and I feel like those people who say they can't watch Impact or they can't watch TNA anymore because it's not the same... They're just saying that because they, they haven't watched it. And so because it's those names aren't there doesn't mean it's less of a company now. It's still a, a great place, and they still put on great shows. And I kind of like them being the underdog because, you know, they, they still have their faithful. And uh, just for those people who give it a shot, it's it's a lot of times it's worth watching. So I will never disparage Impact Wrestling, even if I don't get to watch it as much as I'd like to. But here's the thing with me altogether. I'm a, you know, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and I'll, I'll mention it again. I am a big CM Punk fan. I always have been. And I am all for seeing him return in a pro wrestling setting. And I think CM Punk's been handling everything right lately. Um, you know, and of course, it broke the news, the wrestling internet, about how he recently showed up to an episode of Raw that was in Chicago. And hung out backstage and talked to Triple H and talked to The Miz, always in, like, a public area. Never went into, you know, a private room or anything until he was eventually asked to leave. And the thing is about that, like, every report I've read was saying so many positive things about it. I think CM Punk, CM Punk, the number one person who knows how difficult it can be to work with CM Punk is CM Punk. He's not blind. And, you know, sometimes he can be hard-headed, sometimes he can be stuck in his way, sometimes he can be, it's easy for him to butt heads with other people. So the fact that he came to WWE uh, before Raw, that was already in his hometown where, you know, where he lives, and just kind of reconciled, and, you know, even when he was asked to leave, he went ahead and left. He didn't, he didn't fight it, he just, he left. Everything about that visit screamed professionalism, and that's what I absolutely love, is he's turning over a new leaf. He's just trying to, you know, bury the hatchet. And then at a time where it's not too late, like it was with the Ultimate Warrior, does this mean a eventual WWE return for CM Punk? Not necessarily, but at least he's mending the fences. At least he's building those bridges again. And so if all else fails, at least we could hopefully one day see CM Punk in the WWE Hall of Fame, which at the time when his when he hangs up those boots or toward the end of his career because it's still weird to me that Rey Mysterio is in the Hall of Fame but an active wrestler but when the time is ready it makes all the more sense that CM Punk gets a spot in the WWE Hall of Fame I'm all for that anyway he's still under an AEW contract and I'm not opposed to him again showing up to Raw backstage he wasn't involved with the WWE programming it's one thing if he was seen on TV, or if they talked about him on TV, and I'm glad they didn't, and I don't think they could even, anyway, because he is signed to AEW, even still, 
And, you know, you know, Adam Cole talked about it before he signed with AEW, you know, because he's been with Britt Baker all this time, is even when he was in NXT, of course he would hang out backstage from time to time if if AEW was in the area. And that was okay, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't seen by the public eye. So there's nothing... I'm not going to disparage that kind of thing. Um, you know, it happens more times than we would think. But I just feel like, ultimately, CM Punk has learned from from his mistakes. That doesn't make him perfect, and it doesn't make him perfect going forward. But I think what he's doing right now is right. And it sounds like he's in good graces with AEW again. So I am all for AEW bringing him back. Now, here's the thing with me is the whole confrontation between him and the Elite in the first place, and I kind of mentioned it once upon a time on this podcast, is I was I was kind of embarrassed by it. And I while they were all suspended, I didn't want to support any of them. You know, I, I feel like, and I've heard this talked about before, um, that people just going around in their everyday life wearing wrestling shirts is way less common these days than it would have been in, like, the 90s. You know, people still do it, but it's just it's just not nearly as much of a common occurrence anymore unless you're at a wrestling show or a wrestling event. I still have plenty of wrestling shirts, and I still wear them all the time. Shout-out to my friend Mary Russo. Um, I'm going to talk about this again later on, but her and I, we did a challenge between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. It started with her after Royal Rumble. It started with me after Jericho Cruise when I officially heard from her what her challenge was, where we wore a different wrestling shirt each and every day between that time and WrestleMania. And I'm looking forward to doing that challenge with her again this next year. But anyway, during that time, during the time of CM Punk's suspension and the Elite suspension, I refused, and I have a bunch of CM Punk t-shirts. I have a Young Bucks shirt. I have Kenny Omega shirts. I refused to wear any of them. I didn't want to associate myself with any of them at that time, because as a wrestling fan, I was embarrassed. I thought it was very unprofessional, the whole fight they had, and, you know, I didn't want to take any sides. And I I tried, you know, I talked about it here and there in my everyday life with some wrestling fan friends, but ultimately I tried not to even talk about it much. Because at the end of the day, nobody even had the full story. We just have what was reported by others. And... You know, for those who don't know, what was kind of leaked, you know, CM Punk won the championship at one of their pay-per-views. I think it was a... I don't want to be wrong on this. I want to say it was a double or nothing. It might have been an all-out. I don't don't remember what the pay-per-view was. I believe believe it was a all-out. It was him and... uh, Him and John Moxley in the main event. MJF makes his return. No, actually, I believe it... You know, (sighs) never mind. I digress. It doesn't matter what pay-per-view it was. But in the press conference afterwards, CM Punk, uh, it, it was brought up about Colt Cabana and the fact that Colt Cabana hasn't been seen really on AEW television since CM Punk signed with the company. And that's no secret is Colt Cabana and CM Punk haven't gotten along for so many years now. And again, I don't want to point fingers at anyone here and there. Like, it's their situation so the thing that Tony Khan and AEW did to handle that was keep them away from each other. You know, have Colt Cabana maybe do some of the the Ring of Honor appearances and CM Punk stick to AEW. But when he was br- 
when it was asked about during this press conference, he brought up the elite and, you know, the executive EVPs of AEW and, you know, ultimately didn't say too nice of things about him. It was his thoughts, but, you know, CM Punk has always been a man to share what's on his mind, even if it's something that the majority of people would disagree with. He didn't care. And that's what he was doing here, too. It wasn't necessarily a pipe bomb promo, but... And naturally, the Elite were upset by what they heard about. There's a big confrontation in the locker room afterwards, a big fight with several people involved. And uh, I just, again, I saw those, you know, teenager drama. I, I was embarrassed as a wrestling fan. And so I understand the suspension. And, I mean, I understand the frustrations and the anger and everything. I understand the suspensions. And that's why I didn't want anything to do with actively supporting any of the people involved afterwards. But ultimately, I don't think CM Punk was looking to cause a fight with it. He said things that some people wouldn't like, some people wouldn't agree with, but, you know, that's CM Punk for you. And again, I'm not trying to take sides here, but ultimately, I felt like the whole thing got way out of hand and buried CM Punk a little too much. So, regardless of how it was, regardless of how it went down and what happened since then, the point is, CM Punk seemed to mature from it, and, uh, you know, he's in good graces with AEW again. Now, here's the thing about the idea of doing these separate shows and these separate brands, is they're wanting to keep, again, the brands separate, and I guess the big rumor right now is CM Punk is supposed to begin with a feud with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's had... I'm enjoying this feud between Jericho and Adam Cole right now from what I've seen. And, you know, I think that could lead to a great match at Double or Nothing between the two. Um, And then, you know, it. I guess I'd you would think that that rivalry would kind of end there if they're wanting to pursue Jericho and CM Punk from there. And, you know, the two have worked together before. They get along. It makes sense. But it sounds like the Elite want nothing to do with CM Punk at all. Don't want to work with him again. Um, well, they never really worked with him, with the exception of Adam Page. But I'm talking like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks don't want to work with CM Punk. And, again, I'm not trying to take sides or anything else. I get it. Uh, I think if they were to work together, it would draw a lot of money. You know, in 2006, when uh, when Edge and Matt Hardy had their beef on live TV over Lita... You know, again, there's a lot of real-life issues there. But as a fan, I was all for it. And I'm like, oh, man, these guys will put on great matches against each other. Instead, they're just more brawls that ended in a spear or something. But So they it ended up not being... The matches themselves, that this whole rivalry would culminate to, kind of fell short to my expectations. But I still loved the rivalry because, I mean, there was real-life heat. It made for a better rivalry. So, but you, you don't want to test those waters too much. There's still a fine line somewhere in there. And, uh, so it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I'm all for CM Punk having a return. I'm still a CM Punk fan that's not changing. And I hope things, good things from here. I just, I get frustrated with kind of the AEW fan base because, or wrestling fans in general in this case. Because it seemed like when... CM Punk left WWE. Yes, there's a lot of people who still wanted him there. Still CM Punk chants every time they're in Chicago. And 
again, aside from Chicago especially, they kind of died down, and then you found more and more people just hating on CM Punk, and I was never one of those people. I understood the circumstances, I understood why the people would dislike him and be frustrated with him, but it was what it was. And then for him to, you know, he did that whole stunt where he worked the WWE backstage show that was on Fox, and, you know, it blew up when he first showed up there, and then there's people hoping he's going to come back to wrestling, and then that never worked out with him in WWE. Apparently, you know, he still had a kind of a negative reputation in WWE at that time. Again, this is why I'm all for the fact that he showed up at that episode of Raw in Chicago, to kind of reconcile with everyone. Like, get rid of that bad reputation Reputation you've been kind of giving yourself. Be the better man. Be professional. And that's, that's what I'm all for. But by the time he showed up in AEW, it seemed like the fan base erupted. And those people who were, to an extent... I know there's a certain Australian friend of mine who's listening to this who's probably disagreeing with everything I'm saying... And will say, oh, no, I was never behind CM Punk. And that's fine. But I feel like, ultimately, the general wrestling fan population, when he showed up in AEW, when they sold out the the arena in, in Chicago based on a rumor, you know, everyone was all for seeing CM Punk back in pro wrestling. And he was well-liked and well-received. And, I mean, I've, I, of course, was ecstatic about it. And it seemed like a lot of those same fans, again, Chicago aside, a lot of those same fans, during the course of a year and a half or whatever it was up until the point where, you know, CM Punk ran his mouth about the EVPs, those same fans turned on him. And they were, once again, they wanted nothing to do with Punk. And again, Punk hasn't always been the most professional person to work with. I get it. But I, I, I'm all for second opportunities to an extent. And I think this is a case where it's okay. And I think CM Punk's going to work well. I just, again, there's AEW is just flooded in so many ways. And I think adding another show is just going to flood it even more. I hope I'm wrong, but we will see. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I am excited for CM Punk's AEW return. And though I clearly have some doubts on how things will be for the AEW company going forward, I am still very optimistic. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Now, I can't have a podcast episode where I'm just focusing on current wrestling without talking about the WWE draft. And ultimately, I have a number of thoughts uh, about this, and I'm going to try to remain as positive and optimistic as possible 
though I, I just I need to, <laughs> I need to share my thoughts one way or the other and uh so we'll see how this goes. But ultimately when it was announced that there was gonna be a new draft, I was all for it. Um the I feel once again that WWE just had the Raw and SmackDown rosters too blended together again, so it's time that they kind of separate them. And ultimately, the reason I've been so the most excited about the draft and coming into Raw tonight is just an opportunity for everything to kind of start fresh. Fresh ideas, fresh rivalries especially. I'm all for it. And uh, ultimately, though... Well, of course, I have some thoughts, and I, I wanted to make sure I waited until after the Backlash event to record this um, so I can have my thoughts kind of completely up to date with what happened from the pay-per-view and going forward into Raw tonight when this airs. Number one, the thing that kind of bothered me the most about the the draft is I thought there's way too many free agents that were announced as free agents. I understand about Brock Lesnar. I'm against that too, but I get it. I understand how he can be looked as a free agent, and uh, um, he's kind of that that uh, that draw. That um, so it makes sense to have him on both Raw and SmackDown, where he can be involved with different rivalries. And I think that's kind of the because you know he has a lot of a lot of say in his creative. I've noticed too. So it makes sense to not just limit him to either Raw or SmackDown when he's already just periodically there to begin with. Um, but ultimately, that was about the only one that I would maybe give an exception for. They then said, Omos is a free agent along with MVP. And I said, why? Like, why does he have to be that attraction? That's the word I was looking for. Why does Omos have to be that attraction? But then they went on to announce that Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler, and Von Wagner were also free agents. And I said, okay, what stands out? And I like, you know, I like Mustafa Ali. I like Dolph Ziggler. I'm not too... I've seen a little bit of Von Wagner, and he's been okay. I'm all for him getting called up to the main roster. But that that's another thing that bothered me in general. And then they went on after after the Raw episode... And they mentioned some more, some more uh, free agents. They have Baron Corbin, Elias, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, and Zion Quinn from NXT, also as free agents. And I guess ultimately, I I can't help but to feel that all these names, with the exception of Omos and Brock Lesnar, but all these free agent names are just kind of there in filler to, you know, when they're wanting to really, really highlight some star on either show, those will be some of the first names to get beaten by those stars to really make them look good. And again, I'm against this. Um, I just, I feel like all all the talent, again, I get Brock Lesnar being the exception, but otherwise I feel all the talent should be able to say they have a home on either Raw or SmackDown. There is one point that... I think if by having free agents, I would stand for, but I don't see it happening, and I'll get to that here in just a moment. But ultimately, again, I'm going to be optimistic. I trust Triple H. You know, the, they said that this 
draft that they're doing. And so starting with Raw tonight is supposed to be kind of the shining spotlight of the start of the new Triple H regime. And, you know, we'll see how much that ends up being the case too, how how much or how little Vince will be involved with he, with from here. But again, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic on WWE. Um, well, in wrestling in general, I want to remain optimistic because ultimately, at the end of the day, Johnny Cadillac's not planning what happens on Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Impact, whatever. Um, there's people for that, and they they know their fan base, and they know what can be. Do they make mistakes? Sure. But ultimately, they know what's best for their fans. They know what their fans want, and they know how to get there. And WWE has always done a great job of telling the story to get there. So I trust them. I just... I have my worries. And, uh... So... Again, new opportunity. And... The draft was kind of strange to me. Because I felt like... The fact that they broke up the bloodline. So the Usos were a tag team. And then there's a three-man unit of Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and Paul Heyman. And Judgment Day was the same way. There was... The entire Judgment Day, but then Rhea Ripley was her own draft pick. I thought the writing was on the wall for both of those factions to be split up for sure. You know, especially when you had Damage Control as one unit, all going to SmackDown. You had the LWO as one unit, all going to SmackDown. I thought the writing was on the wall, that the bloodline was going to be split, and that uh, Judgment Day would be split. But ultimately, all of the bloodline ended up on SmackDown, and all of Judgment Day ended up on Raw. Again, I'm excited for new opportunities. The fact that the LWO went to SmackDown and Judgment Day went to Raw, I am all for. The fact that Edge also went to SmackDown, again, I'm all for because it's a new opportunity. It's a fresh opportunity for Judgment Day to still... Because I think they're a good unit. I think they're a good team. I think ultimately coming out of WrestleMania and how over Rhea Ripley is definitely definitely is right now, I felt like now would be the time to kind of break her up, break her apart from Judgment Day. You know, uh, Jim Cornette talked about on his podcast how Rhea Ripley had no other choice but to turn face at this point because of how over she was at WrestleMania. And WWE still said, nope, we're going to keep her as a heel. And I get that. You know, but it's okay at times to like the quote-unquote bad guy. Like, that's what makes wrestling fun. You don't have to just like the good guys and dislike the bad guys. You know, it's like pick and choose who you want, and they're still going to do a good job of playing their role. And so I'm okay with Rhea Ripley remaining as a heel. I know she enjoys being a heel more. But to me, it just made more sense if she's too much of a star. And, you know, she's the SmackDown Women's Champion. And, um, well, very, very deservingly in that spotlight. But to me, she needs to focus on her own stuff instead of whatever the Judgment Day rivalry is. Otherwise, I feel like something's just taking away. Uh, the fact that I feel like they could have built the match between her and Charlotte Flair going into WrestleMania more, but they didn't as much because Rhea Ripley was more involved with the Judgment Day stories, the stuff going on with Edge, especially the stuff going on with Rey Mysterio. So again, new opportunity here. All those names I mentioned outside of Judgment Day, all on SmackDown it seems, and then Judgment Day on Raw. New opportunities, new rivalries. Again, I'm all for it. Um... I, it was just it was just way too odd to me that those factions stayed together when it looked like they were going to be split. But, again, I mean, that's a surprise factor. There's still a surprise factor there. I was shocked. And when 
People wanted to say the draft was too predictable. Did they expect that the bloodline were going to be like two different options of being drafted? Judgment Day was going to be two different options, but yet those teams would stay together as units? Because I wasn't. So again, they they uh, I'm all for this. Um, you know, I think the women's divisions are interesting and going forward, and I, I can't remember like necessarily who all got drafted to where, but it's very apparent at this point, and I knew it was even before, especially with Backlash, the women's championship for uh, the Raw women's championship match was between Bianca Belair and Io Sky. In a lot of ways, I felt like this was the best match of the night, great way to open up the event. And but ultimately, you had two SmackDown stars competing for the Raw Women's Championship, whereas the SmackDown Women's Championship, you had Raw superstar Rhea Ripley defending against SmackDown star Zelina Vega. So even though Zelina was a hometown favorite there, and I loved how much they embraced that with her, I I felt like the the writing was on the wall for how the results of both of these matches would go, and now whether people want to see it or not the only logical thing to do and i know that it says something because it, it said bianca belair just broke the record for the longest raw women's championship reign to date like you know she just beat becky lynch's record by retaining at backlash and but the really the logical thing to do here is a title swap and that's i don't know to have a Raw Women's Championship and a SmackDown Women's Championship, it kind of takes away and kind of puts you in a bind and puts you in a corner where that's no other choice but to do a title swap, where as opposed to, you know, the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title are switching brands as well, but it's not the SmackDown U.S. Championship or the Raw Intercontinental title or anything. So it's easy to let those champions go to the other brand and keep their titles with them as opposed to doing a title swap there. So, and that's what I liked even with the the U.S. championship match at Backlash is the fact that ultimately we had Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley both on SmackDown with Bronson Reed, who's on Raw. So I was able to kind of eliminate Bronson Reed from winning, but where the assumption was that Austin Theory was going to retain, there was a heavy favor that Lashley could have won it, because it still kept the title on the same brand, which was the opposite brand of where Gunther is with the Intercontinental Championship. So again, there was options where it wasn't necessarily as obvious as you would think who would win, and I'm all for them. I want to be surprised. I'm going to have predictions for out, uh, throughout. We all are. But when my predictions are wrong, I like that even more, because, you know, I want I want to be surprised, and I trust the WWE writing team to do that. Here's my biggest complaint is, uh, and it seems like the wrestling world, this is one of the top topics they've been talking about since the announcement. Raw has a new world heavyweight championship. I am all for this title. I love the design because, uh, you know, shout out to Mike Campbell, who has been a big advocate for the original big gold belt, the the main, you know, the WCW world title that was brought into WWE and used as the World Heavyweight Championship starting in 2002 when the Undisputed Champion was um, solely on SmackDown. So it made sense, you know, bring in a new World Championship since you weren't going to take one of the titles off of Roman Reigns and make that the Raw World Championship. 
here's my complaint. And I think a lot of my complaints, or a lot of my doubts, I want to say, because again, I want to be optimistic, but a lot of my doubts all lead into this upcoming Night of Champions pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. And it starts with the world title. I think it's a perfect stage to crown a new world champion at a pay-per-view event, premium live event, whatever, called Night of Champions. I think that's a perfect time to crown a new first-ever WWE World Heavyweight Champion. But the way they're going about this is what, again, I am not in favor of, and where I think maybe in this point, case, the free agents can come in hand. But there's not necessarily big enough names as the free agents either. And that is Triple H announced a tournament to crown the first Raw champion. And again, all for it. The championship match being at Nia Champions, all for it. This is where I digress, though. It starts with Raw tonight. Two triple threat matches. The winners will face each other later on, and the winner of that singles match will go on to Nia Champions. That's fine. That's fine. I'm all for it. SmackDown's doing the same thing. So immediately that tells me, okay, so whoever the Raw representative is, is going to be the new champion. Hopefully... Hopefully Seth Rollins, uh, and I've talked about it on this podcast and many conversations before. I feel Seth Rollins is the perfect person to be the first world champion on Raw because, well, I'll get there. But let me get past this thought first because putting a SmackDown person in that championship match is what I'm completely against. And I get it that you really need to... Now's the time to build up those rosters so it gives a spotlight to more people, the opportunity and the spotlight for more people to step up and do more on their new home. But putting a SmackDown star in a Raw World Championship match doesn't make any, especially crown the first ever champion, doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, let's give it to that Raw representative, whoever he is, because, uh, well, I mean, SmackDown already has their world title. So, I don't know. That's my that's my number one complaint. That's my thoughts on it. Again, I want to be optimistic. I want to trust Triple H and the writing team. I just, I can't get past this. I can't get past the fact that they're having the first ever world championship match be a Raw person versus a SmackDown person when it's for a Raw championship. I mean, if you find any way around this thought of what was announced, let me know. By all means, I'm just like, why? Why are you doing it this way? Why can't it just be between two Raw superstars to crown the first champion when it's a Raw championship? But I digress. Um, here's the thing about a lot of people look as at this new World Heavyweight Championship as a consolation prize. And I understand that because Roman Reigns has been a very dominant champion in his nearly three-year reign as um, Universal and then now WWE Champion. And so where Roman Reigns isn't wrestling as much and they want to keep him exclusive to SmackDown, I get that. But then that makes me against the whole free agent idea all the more. But to have... I've seen the rumor, and it's very heavy, that Cody Rhodes could be the first ever World Heavyweight Champion. And I, I love Cody Rhodes. I, I love... I've enjoyed him even more since he started in w back in WWE and I like th this whole story he's doing 
But I think that's absolutely the wrong move to make in this case. Because if you want to finish the story, ultimately you cannot finish the story without Cody Rhodes beating Roman Reigns for the WWE Championship. Now there is a rumor that it could be Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40. And the big WrestleMania 39 rematch where maybe this is where Cody Rhodes uh, finally dethrones Roman Reigns by winning the Royal Rumble yet again. You know, Cody Rhodes just... I actually really enjoy how his match with Brock Lesnar at Backlash turned out. Um, at first, I was against this rivalry, but then I was like, wait a minute, it's something new. So I was all for it, and I, I've mentioned that before. And, you know, it, the heavy rumor about that match was it was supposed to be a squash match, ending in Brock Lesnar getting the victory. And, yes, like, Brock Lesnar did a lot to Cody Rhodes, but it was anything but a squash match. The two the two went, and the finish was kind of, I don't know. I can see why a lot of people would be against it, because it was Brock Lesnar had that Camaro lock, and Cody Rhodes just kind of rolled forward where Lesnar's shoulders were on the ground for three seconds, giving Cody Rhodes the victory and where he was able to sneak out of there. But, to me, that made the... It made sense for that to be the ending of that match for that story, and I think one per, like people would have wanted one. I don't want to say dominant result, but one like a result that would end in an F five or a crossroads, and I understand that. But this doesn't. I feel like by doing the result the way it does, it doesn't delegitimize Brock Lesnar, and it still gives Cody Rhodes that victory, even if he was quote lucky to get there. Still gave him the victory, so it still makes him recognizable, still makes him a star. He did indeed defeat Brock Lesnar, so I'm all for it. Um, But I'm against Cody Rhodes being the first champion, the first world champion, because it's ultimately he wins this tournament, and he doesn't dethrone anyone else, and it's a title that Dusty Rhodes has essentially held. Uh, they will recognize Dusty Rhodes as a former world champion, even though the belt design's different, a little different. It's still similar because the whole thing of finishing the story is giving Cody Rhodes the WWE Championship, a title that Dusty hadn't held. So he needs to do that at WrestleMania. <clears throat> In the meantime, though, they can't give him another world title that's not finishing the story. And so that's where... And if if they do... That automatically screams what I don't want to say, and that's consolation prize. Because, oh, hey, Cody couldn't get the job done at WrestleMania, and though he got the job done at Backlash, uh, that's good enough for us. Here's a, a world title that's not Roman Reigns' championship while Roman Reigns is still champion. Which is why I say about the only route WWE should really go with crowning a first world champion is Seth Rollins. For the same reason that I thought uh, Seth Rollins needed to be Roman Reigns' next contender before they announced this new world championship belt. Because Rollins did have a shot at Roman Reigns during Roman Reigns' current title reign. But he's the only person that Roman Reigns didn't actually defeat. Rollins beat him by disqualification. And then, you know, Roman Reigns beat the tar out of him afterwards. But Roman didn't get that victory. So that legitimizes Seth Rollins and makes him the perfect candidate and to me, the only perfect candidate for that new world championship. Now, I'm interested because Drew McIntyre is another rumor for that title. And we haven't seen Drew since WrestleMania. And 
I'm going to just have to state what, you know, the internet's been talking about for a long time. It's looking very likely that Drew McIntyre won't be with WWE for much longer. Sounds like he's just kind of writing out his contract and isn't going to re-sign. And I hope they can reconcile. I hope they can find a way to keep him. Because I like Drew McIntyre. And again, I don't want just AEW picking up yet another star. Because, you know, and Brian Blades talked about it on this podcast before where he said, how many people have really become bigger names when they signed to AEW than they were in WWE. And ultimately, that's been AEW's intention. But you're just flooding a roster even more, and so they haven't really had that opportunity to really make those people a bigger star. Now, some of the AEW faithful might tell me differently, but that's that's ultimately how I see it too. So where I think McIntyre, if he went to AEW, would be a good fit there. Ultimately, I think he'd put on great matches with so many different greats of the AEW roster. I just don't think that's the right move for him. Um, but I digress. So hopefully, I'm hoping that maybe maybe convince him to stick with WWE. Give him the price he's looking for, uh, or at least a price he agrees to. Put the world title on him, because like to me, McIntyre's kind of fell, fell off since he stopped being in the world championship picture. And so I can understand where his frustrations are. Um, you know, he had his WrestleMania moment, but that ended up being at WrestleMania 36, where there ended up being no crowd because of the whole COVID thing. And he never got to have the opportunity to win the big one in front of uh, an arena sold out to the brim with fans at the, on a big stage. He never got that opportunity. It was always... You know, he's a former two-time champion now. One was at WrestleMania, which ha had literally no fans. And the other one was, uh, I believe, on an episode of Raw against Randy Orton, which was in the Thunderdome. So had no real fans there, just had virtual fans from around the world. So, like, I get that. And I feel for him. So I hope they can work out a deal, because I like McIntyre. He's always been one of my favorites. Um, But, again... To me, the only logical person to be the first ever world heavyweight champion in all this is Seth Rollins. And I would be amiss if I didn't mention that I, too, felt like Seth Rollins versus Omos at Backlash was the most randomly put-together thing ever. And a lot of times people feel like, oh, even Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar was. No, they at least built a story since Lesnar turned on Cody after WrestleMania. But there was n literally no story going into Rollins and Omos before it was made a backlash match. None. They had no interaction with each other or anything. So they made it a match, and then they had one, one in-ring segment where it didn't get physical. And that was their rivalry going into the backlash match. It just didn't make much sense. Now, with the, that said... I enjoyed the backlash match for what it was. Uh, the spot I really enjoyed the most... And I think what sticks out the most was Rollins going for that stomp and where he put his foot on the back of Omos's neck and Omos didn't move. You know, he, stood, he sat firm and still where Rollins couldn't connect. And you've never really seen that kind of spot in a stomp position before. So it's something different. And uh, ultimately, giving Rollins a win was the right move. Still made Omos look good, especially if he needs to be that big contender free agent now on for either show. It didn't delegitimize him, and it gave him an opportunity to look good because 
You know, it's Seth Rollins is a modern day Shawn Michaels. If you don't look good in a Seth Rollins match, you might want to check out and reconsider like kind of your positioning on the card, and you might want to do something to improve. Um, so put the title on Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins pulled it off in the most random pay-per-view match ever against Omos. It's never, not here nor there. Here's my other frustration, worries about this upcoming Nia Champions pay-per-view is the fact that it's in Saudi Arabia and ultimately Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are the tag team champions right now. Now the premise of Nia Champions is every title's on the line. I still feel ultimately that they need to split up the tag team championship instead of them carrying all the these red and blue championships around, especially like during some of the later days of the Usos reign, they when they were the undisputed tag team champions, they would defend just the Raw tag team championship here and there. They'd defend just the SmackDown tag team championship here and there. So again, find a way if you're already doing this with your world title, you need to do the same with your tag team championship. You just have to. And this will kind of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are on Raw now where the bloodline, the Usos, are on SmackDown. And so you'd think, well, because KO and Sammy can go to either show by holding those tag titles, that this isn't necessarily the end of the rivalry. But then, this is why I wanted to record this after Backlash. Because the bigger story they ended up telling in that six-man tag at Backlash was the bloodline still kind of falling apart. So maybe it makes sense. Make Jay Uso the next... Because I was wondering who... Who's going to be stepping up to face Roman Reigns at Night of Champions? And to me, now, after Backlash, it makes sense. Make Jay Uso continue to have those doubts. You know, he didn't necessarily get along with Solo Sokoa in the match at Backlash. And then Solo got the win for them. But Solo's going to remain truthful and faithful to Roman Reigns. Um, which, I don't know. I, I'm all for that, too. But Solo's a star. And I, I want to see them do more with Solo Sokoa as Solo Sokoa. He needs... He needs a championship. It's just right now is not the time to put a championship on him, given who all the champions are right now. But, you know, to me, they're looking more into the bloodline crumbling or the idea of the bloodline crumbling story from here. That doesn't necessarily need to involve Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens anymore. As they said on SmackDown, they've said what they need to say. They don't need to keep this rivalry going with them anymore where it was successful and led to a WrestleMania main event. All good things need to end at some point. So, uh, you know, have them involved just more of an internal story with the bloodline. And again, I'm all for seeing where it goes from there. Now, back to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as tag team champions. I'm worried because, you know, they don't do the Saudi Arabia pay-per-views. Like, Sami Zayn's not physically allowed into the country based on his Syrian descent. So what are they going to do? And, you know, the way Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens went about winning the titles and to take the titles off of them this fast, I I was surprised when they, they beat the Usos when they retained the titles on that episode, the draft episode of SmackDown because I, I really felt that, again, this it was a time to take the titles off of them because there's a Night of Champions pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. So, I again, I trust Triple H. I trust management. I trust the writing team. I'm intrigued to see how it goes, especially if they still want to keep the titles on Zayn and Kevin Owens, which I think right now, by all means, they need to keep the titles on them. But uh, I'm curious to see how it goes from here because they 
shouldn't end their title reign just yet. Um, but if they do, who are they going to lose it to? I don't think it'd be the Usos anymore at this point. So what team would step up? Is would it be like a Braun Strowman and a Ricochet or the Street Profits or or who would it be? Like Judgment Day. Judgment Day makes a lot of sense. They need new rivalry on Raw anyway. So uh, again, this is why ultimately I'm all for the draft. Is there's a lot of new beginnings from here, a lot of new stories to be told with Shinsuke Nakamura on Raw. I'm all for that because that's automatically going to be something completely different for him. He's never been on the red brand before. He was always on SmackDown since he's been on the main roster. So many different moving variables that will add a unique feel to both shows that I absolutely love. So ultimately, still optimistic. I just have worries. I have concerns, as I feel everyone everyone else does as well. So those were kind of the main things I wanted to highlight on this week's episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk. I appreciate those of you who stuck with me and listened to it up to this point. Hopefully you enjoyed it. By all means, as always, if you have thoughts, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, feel free to reach out. I want to hear your reflections too. I I just have the opportunity with this podcast to share mine. So ultimately, where there's major concerns I have coming out of the draft and what's going forward with WWE programming. Ultimately, I'm optimistic, and I'm excited for just a time to restart. There's a lot of NXT call-ups that I think is going to make those both Raw and SmackDown really exciting. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Alba Fire and Isla Dawn now that they uh, are still the tag team champions, and they said they're taking their their NXT tag team titles to SmackDown. Curious to see how things will go from there. Um, Imperium being on Raw, really excited about that. I think uh, Gunther is a star that needs to be on the flagship show. So him being Intercontinental Champion on Raw, I am all for it. I'm hearing rumor of maybe doing Imperium, uh, an Imperium and New Day rivalry on Raw that could maybe lead to the return of Big E and doing some Big E Gunther matches. I'm all for that too. Again. New opportunities here. I'm super excited for Raw tonight and see how they really start making painting the picture going forward with WWE programming. So uh, where I have my concerns, optimistic at the end of the day. So this was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.